You're listening to Come Follow Me Weekly, a weekly podcast with thoughts and insights for the Come Follow Me lessons of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm your host, Heather Weber. Thanks for being here with me this week. The title of this week's lesson is May Christ Lift Thee Up, and it covers Moroni chapters 7 through 9. Okay, last night I had a dream about recording this episode because this week I've been really worried about it. I've been super busy with other things, and I've had a hard time getting it done. So last night I had this dream that I was recording this episode, and in my dream I had forgotten to listen to the previous week's episode to see if it turned out at all. So when I went to listen to it, I realized that the audio was all messed up, the intro music didn't record. For some reason, my first counselor in the Young Women's was doing it with me, and because the audio was weird, we sounded like we had British accents. (laughs) I woke up and I was like, okay, (laughs) I think I'm a little stressed. (laughs) I think it's just kind of a crazy time of year, and it's been a crazy year anyway. (laughs) So this week we read three of the last four chapters in the Book of Mormon. And these are some things that Moroni decided to include. Chapter 7 is basically like a conference talk that was given by his father, Mormon. And then chapters 8 and 9 are letters that Moroni received from his father. And you know, it's been so amazing this year how the Book of Mormon has seemed to go right along with what we're dealing with in the world. And I feel like here at the end, that's still true. When you think about Moroni, you can just tell that at this point, he's tired and he's worn out. And honestly, here at the end of the year, I'm feeling exactly the same way. I will be so glad to say goodbye to this year, and I just look forward to starting over in January. And I have really high hopes for next year. I feel like the church and just people in general really want to start moving forward, whatever that might look like. But that being said, next week, as we finish the Book of Mormon, that will be my last episode for a while. I feel like I just really need to take a break and focus on some other things in my life for a little bit. And I'm not sure where... This podcast is going to fit into that, but I'm going to take a break and try to figure it out. The opening paragraph of this week's lesson says, Before Moroni concluded the record we know today as the Book of Mormon with his own final words, he shared three messages from his father, Mormon, an address to the peaceable followers of Christ, and two letters that Mormon had written to Moroni. Perhaps Moroni included these messages in the Book of Mormon because he foresaw similarities between the perils of his day and ours. When these words were written, the Nephite people as a whole were tumbling headlong into apostasy. Many of them had lost their love one towards another and delighted in everything save that which was good. And yet Mormons still found cause for hope, teaching us that hope does not mean ignoring or being naive about the world's problems. It means having faith in Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, whose power is greater and more everlasting than those problems. It means laying hold upon every good thing— It means letting the atonement of Jesus Christ and the hope of his glory and of eternal life rest in your mind. And until the glorious day of Christ's second coming, it means never ceasing the labor we have to perform to conquer the enemy of all righteousness. Chapter 7 is one of those chapters where I start highlighting things that I find significant, and then as I go along, I find that I'm literally highlighting the entire chapter. Some weeks, I'm like, what if we just read this whole chapter and call it good? (laughs) Chapter 7 starts out with Mormon saying that he's speaking to you that are of the church, that are the peaceable followers of Christ. Mormon and Moroni lived during a time where people were without principle and people who were continually seeking for blood and revenge. And I would say that we are living in a similar time, or at least we're steadily marching toward a similar time. Although for us, it's not so much of a physical struggle as it is a spiritual struggle in the world that we live in today. And there are a lot of wrong things going on in the world. 
there's people with power and agendas that are trying to structure things in a way that maybe go against the plan of God. So how do we stand up for what's right without being contentious? And how do we ourselves be counted as a peaceable follower of Christ? I found this that I really liked in a BYU Religious Studies article, and it says, Peaceable followers of Jesus Christ do not desire others to be destroyed or brought into subjection. They desire for themselves and for others an opportunity to repent and be free. Growing in degrees of self-control and long-suffering positively affect our thoughts, words, and actions as we work out our own salvation and help extend the message of salvation to others. So what I get from that is that instead of taking it upon ourselves to point out everyone else's flawed logic and getting upset and speaking out about everything that we think is wrong, maybe we need to worry about our own salvation first, about learning and living the gospel ourselves so that we can share that with other people. Because really, just telling someone they're wrong doesn't change a person's heart. But living in a way that represents the Savior and then sharing that with other people really can. That was a good thing for me to think about. In verses 16 and 17, it says, For behold, the Spirit of Christ is given to every man, that he may know good from evil. Wherefore, I show unto you the way to judge. For everything which inviteth to do good and to persuade to believe in Christ is sent forth by the power and gift of Christ. Wherefore, ye may know with a perfect knowledge it is of God. But whatsoever thing persuadeth men to do evil, and believe not in Christ, and deny him, and serve not God, then ye may know with a perfect knowledge it is of the devil. For after this manner doth the devil work, for he persuadeth no man to do good, no, not one, neither do his angels, neither do they who subject themselves unto him. We know that all good things come from God. There is so much contention and confusion in the world right now, and Satan is the head of all of that. And when we choose to immerse ourselves in the rhetoric of the world, it really just drags us down. So how do we keep ourselves out of it when this is just part of the world that we live in? In verse 19, Mormon says, Wherefore, I beseech of you, brethren, that ye should search diligently in the light of Christ, that ye may know good from evil. And if ye will lay hold upon every good thing, and condemn it not, ye certainly will be a child of Christ. President Nelson told us, You don't have to wonder about what is true. You do not have to wonder whom you can safely trust. Regardless of what others may say or do, no one can ever take away a witness born to your heart and mind about what is true. I urge you to stretch beyond your current spiritual ability to receive personal revelation, for the Lord has promised that if thou shalt seek, thou shalt receive revelation upon revelation, knowledge upon knowledge, that thou mayest know the mysteries and peaceable things, that which bringeth joy, that which bringeth life eternal. Oh, there is so much more that your Father in heaven wants you to know. As Elder Neil A. Maxwell taught, to those who have eyes to see and ears to hear, it is clear that the Father and the Son are giving away the secrets of the universe. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to rely on the news media or our neighbors or our Facebook friends to tell us what to do and what to believe. We each have the ability to study things out in our own minds and talk it over with our Heavenly Father and make our own decisions about what is best for ourselves and our families. Through that light of Christ that we have, the Spirit can speak truth to our hearts and help us figure out which messages lead us to peace and which ones don't. Mormon tells us to lay hold upon every good thing. And that to do that, we need to have faith and hope in our Savior, Jesus Christ. If we have faith in Christ, then we will have hope, because He is our hope. In verses 43 and 44, Mormon says, And again, behold, I say unto you, that he cannot have faith and hope, save he shall be meek and lowly of heart. 
If so, his faith and hope is vain, for none is acceptable before God, save the meek and lowly in heart. And if a man be meek and lowly in heart, and confesses by the power of the Holy Ghost that Jesus is the Christ, he must needs have charity. For if he have not charity, he is nothing. Wherefore, he must needs have charity. So in other words, to take advantage of all of these blessings, we need to be humble, and we need to recognize that there is someone out there with a plan greater than our own. I'm a person who tends not to believe what I'm told. I like to find things out for myself. And this year, in trying to find my own truth among all of the issues floating around out there, it's led me down some contentious paths at times. And immersing myself in all of these issues was really starting to affect my mental health. And one day, I really just had to ask myself if I really do believe that our Heavenly Father and our Savior are in charge. And I do believe that. So I came to the conclusion that I just had to let some of these issues go. That what I really need to be concerned with is my own salvation and my responsibility to serve my Savior by serving other people and sharing what I have to give. Because if that is my focus, my life will be happy no matter what happens. And if I'm living so that I can hear the Spirit in my life— I'll be in the right places in the right times so I can do the right things. And I really just have to have faith in that. In verses 45 through 47, Mormon tells us more about charity. And he says, And charity suffereth long, and is kind, and envieth not, and is not puffed up, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, and rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, if ye have not charity, ye are nothing, for charity never faileth. Wherefore, cleave unto charity, which is the greatest of all, for all things must fail, but charity is the pure love of Christ. And it endureth forever, and whoso is found possessed of it at the last day, it shall be well with him. So basically, if we want to be happy and have peace in our hearts and in our lives, these are the qualities we need to work on. I love the quote in the lesson from President Oaks who said, The reason charity never fails, and the reason charity is greater than even the most significant acts of goodness, is that charity, the pure love of Christ, is not an act, but a condition or state of being. Charity is something one becomes. It's really a character trait, and one that we can and should spend our whole lives trying to develop. In the lesson, it asks, Why do we need faith and hope to receive the gift of charity? And I think one reason is that if that's the way our Savior is, and we want to be like Him, we have to get to know Him and know about Him and the kind of person that He is. And it takes faith and hope to do that, because He's not here for us to observe and speak to in person. But we can get to know Him through the gift of the Holy Ghost, and by studying His life and learning how He dealt with people and situations, and by asking ourselves when we are trying to figure out how to react or deal with a situation, how the Savior might have looked at it. It's a process, and it's a hard process, (laughs) but even tiny progress is better than not trying at all. As long as we're moving forward, even if it's just teeny tiny inches, we're doing awesome. Okay, the next section of the lesson kind of surprised me a little bit. The title is, Can My Chastity and Virtue Be Taken From Me? And it references Moroni 9.9, which says, For behold, many of the daughters of the Lamanites have they taken prisoners, and after depriving them of that which was most dear and precious above all things, which is chastity and virtue. And then he goes on to talk about them killing people in the next verse, which I'm not going to read because it's kind of graphic and depressing. But in the lesson, it says this, 
Mormon's description of the horrible sins of the Nephites have led some to mistakenly conclude that victims of sexual assault or abuse have violated the law of chastity. However, Elder Richard G. Scott clarified that this is not the case. He taught, I solemnly testify that when another's acts of violence, perversion, or incest hurt you terribly against your will, you are not responsible and you must not feel guilty. I've read that scripture before a lot of times, and I've never taken it that way. I think Mormon is directly speaking about the people who did those terrible things and was in no way placing any blame or shame on their victims. And if you've been a victim of assault or abuse, I hope that first of all, that you would never feel that it was your fault, because it is 100% not your fault. (laughs) And if you do feel that way, please find someone to talk to that you can trust, because you need to find help and support and not to feel shame for something that happened at the hand of another person. I love this quote from Elder Holland who said, Surely the thing God enjoys most about being God is the thrill of being merciful, especially to those who don't expect it and often feel they don't deserve it. Our Heavenly Father loves us and our Savior's atonement can help us no matter what. The lesson kind of skips over chapter 8, but we've been reading this as a family the past couple weeks and I really love this chapter. It talks about how infant baptism is incorrect And it's incorrect to think that any child or any person who dies without the law or without making covenants is condemned. That's just not true. In verse 22 and 23, it says, For behold, that all little children are alive in Christ, and also all they that are without the law. For the power of redemption cometh on all them that have no law. Wherefore, he that is not condemned, or he that is under no condemnation, cannot repent. And unto such baptism availeth nothing. But it is mockery before God, denying the mercies of Christ and the power of His Holy Spirit, and putting trust in dead works. I think we have to remember that our Heavenly Father is not a stern judge that goes strictly by the letter of the law. He is our kind and loving Father, and He knows us better than we know ourselves. And I know that when we meet Him with our Savior, He will be perfectly just and merciful to every single one of us. Mormon and Moroni lived in a time of pretty great wickedness. And it would have been really easy for them to just feel a lot of despair and want to give up. Again, I feel like we can relate to them on some level. But here is Mormon's message to his son. In chapter 9, verse 25, he says, My son, be faithful in Christ, and may not the things which I have written grieve thee to weigh thee down unto death, but may Christ lift thee up, and may his sufferings and death and the showing his body unto our fathers and his mercy and longsuffering and the hope of his glory and of eternal life rest in your mind forever. What I got out of the reading this week is that no matter how hard things get, there is hope. Because of our Savior, we can have hope that in the end, everything will be made right and that the Lord's promises will be fulfilled exactly like he says they will be. We have a prophet on the earth today, and when he promises us things, which he does a lot, we can trust those promises. And if we follow his counsel, we will absolutely see those things happen in our lives. This year for me and for my family has been really difficult, and I'm sure it has been for all of you too. But through all of that, I have seen so many blessings and small miracles along the way. The Lord does not forget His people. He never has and He never will. And just like Mormon says, we can let that hope and those truths rest in our minds forever. And those are my thoughts for this week. Thank you so much for listening. I can't believe we only have one more week of the Book of Mormon. I'm excited about that, but I'm also really sad. This has been one of the greatest experiences of my life, studying the Book of Mormon this year. And maybe that sounds dramatic, but it's absolutely true. (laughs) 
<laughs> I really, really enjoyed it. Don't forget that you can find me on Instagram at Come Follow Me Weekly, or you can email me at cfmweekly at gmail.com. Thank you.